welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 238. No, it's not. This is episode 239. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. With me, as mostly always, is Henry. Hi, Henry. Hi. How you doing this week? Good. Yeah? You're just happy because we're going fishing later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someday we'll do a fishing podcast where we just kind of stand there with a fishing rod and people can stare at us. That would be exciting. But first, right now, we have to talk about video games. In news this week, uh, I have no news. Is there anything going on, Henry? No. There's absolutely nothing happening in the world right now. Nothing but this podcast. Clear your minds, everybody. Push all that other stuff away and just listen to our... Uh, Malefic... Ma- not Maleficent. That's the Disney thing. Our Malefulous... Malefulous? Our really cool voices. Really cool and soothing voices as we describe to you this week's game and share with you a little story. With that in mind, this week's game is... The farthest reaches of space. An unseen force draws you nearer. Graviton. An incredible new video experience from Atari that pulls players in like a magnet and holds them with unparalleled challenge. Players control a ship which begins each mission positioned at home base in the center of the playfield. From there, players can fly to five planets, avoiding the Death Star. Tar has the right cabinet style for every location each with a 19-inch horizontal color XY monitor. There's the standard upright cabinet with colorful side panel graphics, a new streamlined cabaret, contemporary and compact, and the wood-grained cocktail cabinet, ideal for comfortable gameplay in relaxed locations. When you need a new video game with tremendous pulling power, stay with the leader, Atari and get Gravatar working for you. Gravatar from Atari, 1983. That thing you just heard uh, YouTube described as a, a promo, probably for the you know people who buy arcade cabinets or bought arcade cabinets in the 80s, put in their arcades, you know, because it, it really was more about the arcade cabinet of Gravatar. After having played this game a bit today, I don't really remember playing it as a kid, I can't imagine trying to master this game in the arcade. You know, without the benefit of a manual telling you what you're supposed to do. Maybe you just kind of intuitively figure it out. And I guess ultimately, well, I was going to say ultimately it just becomes obvious, but I'm not sure that it does, because on first blush, it just kind of looks, the game looks like Asteroid, basically. Your ship looks like the ship from Asteroid. You move like the ship from Asteroid, and it kind of looks like, it looks like Asteroid, right? Uh, It looks like you're just, you don't have meteors coming at you, asteroids, but you've got other stuff floating around. It just looks like you're supposed to fly through space shooting at stuff. I don't know how it would immediately become apparent that you're supposed to land on these planets. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about how you play Gravatar. Atari, uh, as they were often doing, stole my bet 40 years before I came up with it and have a little story for us, at least a premise of a story. The evil Gravatar has set out to destroy the universe. His deadly weapon, gravity. Gravatar bombards unsuspecting galaxies with his hostile gravitational forces, 
He then installs a powerful reactor within each solar system of the defeated galaxy, creating a killer sun that destroys all life on the surrounding planets. He blockades those planets with lethal rammers and with automated bunkers programmed to shoot. So far, Gravatar has conjured four galaxies. Sorry, has conjured four galaxies. How cool would it be if he was conjuring galaxies? But no, he conjured existing galaxies, each made up of three solar systems, and intelligence reports hint that our galaxy may be next. Gravatar must be stopped before he adds our galaxy to his list. We played this on the flashback. You all may be playing it on a cartridge. So to play the game, to start, you have to put the cartridge into your VCS. Joystick. This is a weird game where the, there are levels, but instead of going from easiest to hardest, the levels go from hardest to easiest. Level 1, you get only 6 ships. Level 2, you have 15. <coughs> 3, you get 6 ships again, but the planetary bunkers and enemy saucers can't fire at you. So I'm not really sure what the point of, the, of that one is, or how you get points. I guess maybe just by destroying the uh, reactor, I guess? I don't know. Level 4, the manual says, is a good practice game because you get a hundred ships. Just think if you were playing the practice level in the arcade, and you had a hundred ships and you were actually good at this game. The line of kids behind you, with their big gulps, you know, waiting to play before they have to go back to class, would be huge. Oh, that reminds me. Side note. The family, for a movie night last night, watched War Games with Matthew Broderick from 1983. Coincidentally, this is a 1983 movie as well. And there's a, a scene, uh, maybe a couple scenes, at an arcade, where the video games are prominently, the, the marquees of the arcade games are prominently displayed. David, the, the protagonist in War Games, seems to favor Galaga. He plays at least once. I also saw him as Pac-Man Machine, and Jungle Hunt Machine, and a few others in the background. So it was very nostalgic. I enjoy that, watching the old movies, when we see those uh, arcade cabinets. It's a bygone era, I tell you. Anyway, level 5 of Gravatar gives you 25 spaceships, no gravity to fight. This level is a good place for beginners to start. I did not start with level 5, I started with level 1 of a game that I don't remember ever playing before. Although I probably did at some point. My lack of skill will be apparent in the field report. So you hold the joystick so that the red button is in the upper left corner. My all-time favorite instruction ever. Move the joystick handle right or left to rotate your ship in that direction. Push the joystick handle forward to thrust in the direction that your ship is pointing. Pull back on the joystick handle to activate your tractor beam and raise your protective shields. Push the joy press the joystick fire button to release missiles. During a game, press reset to return to the title screen to make a new game selection. The movement of the game of the ship is a little bit frustrating. I think Henry did not enjoy that at all. Am I correct in that, Henry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did not like this game at all. Now, to be fair, he only played it once. Maybe if uh, he spent a little more, bit more time with it, he'd get used to it. Do you remember playing Asteroids? Does that ring a bell at all? A little bit. Yeah, this ship is really just the ship from Asteroids. So if you played that a little bit, you're kind of used to it. Not to say I'm good at it, but it was not unfamiliar to me. Your task is to break Gra Gravatar's hold on the 32, sorry, on the 12 solar systems under his power. You can do this by destroying all bunkers on every planet or by setting off the reactor in the alien reactor base. I never got that far. I destroyed some bunkers. I never got to the point of being able to destroy the reactor. Each solar system consists of a killer sun. I'm totally going to write a book called Killer Sun, S-U-N. An alien reactor base and three or four blockaded, blockaded planets. Each 
housing, a fuel, housing fuel deposits and enemy bunkers. To move from one solar system to the next, you must either visit all the planets and destroy every enemy bunker or activate the reactor at the core of the alien reactor base and escape before it explodes. When you complete your mission in the three solar systems of one galaxy, you are automatically transported to another galaxy where you, your rescue mission continues. You start the game with 6 to 100 starships, as we mentioned, depending on the game level, and with 10,000 fuel units. Your ship consumes fuel every time you use your thrust engines, activate your shields, or extend your tractor beam. A warning beep sounds when your fuel level goes below 2,000 units. The game ends when you run out of fuel or lose all your ships. When you complete your mission, the game resets and your points continue to accumulate. As the ship leaves its entry port in your solar system, you must steer out of the gravitational field of the killer sun and head for a planet. If your ship is drawn into the killer sun, you will crash. The alien reactor base of each solar system sends out enemy saucers to shoot at you except in game level 3. If you fly near a saucer, you will both be thrown out into deep space, where you must duel until your ship or the saucer is destroyed. That happened to me a couple of times before I really understood what was going on. Although it's kind of obvious that you've been pushed aside just to go mano a mano with, uh, with the saucer. One way to complete your mission is to, in a solar system is to visit every planet and destroy all bunkers. You enter a planet's atmosphere by flying very near it. You cannot leave a planet until you have blown up every bunker. Each planet has its own craggy landscape, and except in Game 5, each has a strong gravitational force that makes your flight around the planet very treacherous. If you fly too close to a planet, your starship will be crushed by its gravity. Watch out for the rammers that hover above most planets. If one of these enemy ships rams you, you lose a starship. Shoot your, alien, uh, shoot your missiles to blow up the bunkers and the rammers. You can also destroy a bunker by crashing into it, but you'll lose a spaceship. Use your tractor beam to pick up fuel capsules as needed. I almost kind of did that once, I think, but I don't think I was successful. Shoot your missiles to blow up the bunkers. Okay, I said that already. After destroying all the bunkers, fly your ship to the top of the screen to leave the planet and return to the solar system screen. The planet you have just left will then explode, as planets do in sci-fi. I'm guessing in reality, throughout the universe, exploding planets are relatively rare. I'm probably going to get letters from uh, astronomers, but whatever. But in sci-fi, it happens a lot. The other way to complete your mission in solar system is destroy the alien reactor base. The alien reactor base is a port into the next solar system. It consists of a winding tunnel that leads to a reactor at the core of the planet. A clock at the top of the screen counts down the seconds you have to reach the reactor, activated by firing into its center, and escape before it explodes. Stay on target, Luke. Stay on target. As you move through the first two galaxies, you count down, your countdown time on the alien reactor base decreases from 60 seconds in the first solar system to a harrowing. This manual has words like harrowing and craggy in it. When an English major probably wrote this. 25 seconds in the sixth, when you reach the third galaxy, their countdown cycle starts over. You can leave the alien reactor base without setting off the reactor. If your ship is destroyed on the base, you will be returned to your entry port in the solar system. If you blow up the alien reactor base, the explosion will catapult you into the next solar system. When you make it through all three solar systems in one galaxy, you automatically go on to the next galaxy. The four galaxies are similar except for factors of light and gravity. In the second and fourth galaxies, each planet exerts a, re a reverse gravitational force that repels your ship, because that's how gravity works. In the third and fourth galaxies, the landscape of each planet, including the alien reactor base, is completely dark. Only the bunkers, rammers, and fuel deep deposits are visible. Well, that's just mean. 
They do have some strategy suggestions here. Be careful when using your shields. Although they protect your ship from enemy fire, your shields will not withstand a cr uh, crash or collision with an enemy ship. When leaving the entry port, rotate the ship to the left or right, then thrust forward to move away from the sun. Use a light touch on your joystick when thrusting. If your ship hits the side of the screen, it will be repelled by a force field and may be hard to control. No kidding. Since the force of gravity gets, gets stronger as you near a planet's surface, aim the nose of your ship away from the planet when picking up fuel. You can then thrust away from the surface as soon as you have the fuel. To pick up the fuel, steer, steer your ship over the fuel depot and activate the tractor beam by pulling the joystick handle toward you. You can pick up fuel with your ship aimed in any direction. When picking up fuel, pull back on your joystick and quickly release it. You'll use a minimum amount of energy and your chances of crashing will be reduced. You may want to wait until you have destroyed every bunker on a planet before you beam up the fuel. Be careful not to fly near the top of the screen or you enter the solar system before you get all the fuel. When traveling through the dark galaxies, you can find out where the planet's surface is by firing missiles. Each time your missile hits, the explosion will briefly illuminate the landscape. This technique works in the alien reactor base as well. Your score points for destroying enemy saucers, rammers, and bunkers. Each time you enter a new solar system, you can receive 7,000 fuel units, 2 bonus ships, and 4,000 extra points, and a partridge in a pear tree. You can earn a total of 999,950 points before the score resets. At the end of a game, your final score appears below the game level number. Point values range from 100 points for a saucer up to 5,000 fuel units for a fuel depot and a bonus ship every 10,000 points. And that is how you play Gravatar. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. So Gravatar, which Wikipedia tells us, had the working title of Lunar Battle. I don't know which title I like better. What do you like better, Henry? Hmm. Lunar Battle or Gravatar? I don't know. Probably Gravatar. Yeah, I was going to say Lunar Battle, but then it occurs to me Lunar refers to the moon, and none of these plans, moons, really factor into the game at all. So I think Gravatar was a good choice. Color Vector uh, Graphics Arcade Game, released by Atari in 82, using the same rotate and thrust controls as Asteroids and Space Duel, which is obvious. I don't think I've ever played Space Duel, but this is clearly the same mechanic as Asteroids, and I know nothing about game mechanics. The game was known for its high level of difficulty, no kidding. The first of over 20 games, including 1983's Star Wars, that Mike Holly designed and produced for Atari. The main programmer was Rich Adam, and the cabinet art was designed by Brad Chaboya. Over 5,427 uh, 5, cabinets were produced. The 2600 version, ported by Dan Hitchens, was published by Atari in 83. The silver label version of Atari 2600 Gravatar was originally only available to Atari Club members. 
It was later sold in stores in limited quantities. Atari later released it in the red box in label style in large quantities. The silver label is very desirable to collectors for its rarity and association with the Atari Club. The game inspired Thrust, X-Pilot, and Olds, none of which I'm familiar with. <laughs> Dual-stick shooter Black Widow was offered as a con- uh, conversion kit for Gravatar. Gravatar is part of the Atari anthology for Windows, Xbox, and PlayStation 2, as well as the Atari Anniversary Edition Volume 2 for Dreamcast, PlayStation, and Windows. It's also included in the Atari Flashback 3, and I can tell you, 9. In an April 2019, Gravatar was added to the Tesla Atari game collection included in Tesla vehicles. In the 1983 James Bond film, Never Say Never Again, that's the one that um, they brought back Sean Connery to make because they had some weird intellectual property rights where they basically found a a loophole that would let them, uh, some competing company, make a James Bond movie. And they brought back Sean Connery to do it. And there was, so there were dueling James Bond movies out that year. Roger Moore was the the current Bond. And then they brought back Sean Connery to make this other one. I'm not an expert on James Bond, but I do remember that. So in this one, Never Say Never Again, that was the one with Sean Connery. And in the movie, Domino Patachi, played by Kim Basinger, is seen about to play Gravatar before meeting up again with Bond at Casino de Monte Carlo. The indoor scene was filmed at Elstree Studios in Hertfordshire, England. The arcade cabinets used would have been sourced from Atari's European factory in Ireland. So there you go. Dan Coogan of Phoenix, Arizona, set a Gravatar World Record scoring 8,029,450 points from December 22nd to 23rd, 2006, playing for 23 hours and 15 minutes. Holy crap. The previous world record score was 4,722,200. So not only did this guy beat the world record, he beat it by 4 million points. Well, 3.3 million points. And that record, that previous record, uh, stood for 24 years and had been set by Ray Muller of Boulder, Colorado on December 4th, 1982. He played for 12 hours and 21 minutes. So let's see. It took him 12 hours, 21 minutes, to get 4.7 million points. It took the next guy 23 hours to get 8 million points. Yeah, okay, I guess that tracks. I was trying to figure out if one of them, you know, purely on a, a point per minute basis, did better, but I guess they're fairly similar. I did not get anywhere near 4 million points today, you know, in my field report. Spoiler. 8-Bit Central notes the comparisons to Asteroids, but calls Gravatar a thrust game with a twist. Uh, that is much more difficult than Asteroids. The Gravatar arcade controls afforded the five five buttons, two to rotate the ship left or right, one to shoot, one to thrust, and one for both tractor beam and force field. I always liked the thrust and fire buttons were often off, offset, making the layout conform to one's hand with the logical placement of the tractor shield button under your thumb. The controls have been narrowed to fit the confines, of the 2600 joystick, many of the functions being relegated to the stick itself. The arcade version, like Asteroid, had no joystick. Oddly, the hardest level is the default level 1 at the start of the game. It doesn't get easier as you progress, but you may want to start at an easier level if you're new to the game. Final Judgment, Atari Gravatar offers fairly simple gameplay, but maneuvering the ship is where the challenge mounts. This game has a love-hate following, mostly due to the intricacies of piloting the ship. It looks simple enough, but the spaces are often narrow, making movement difficult. Being harder than it looks can be irritating, but using the beginner level for practice makes for a better experience when it gets manic. It does get manic. Woodgrain Wonderland observes that most classic arcade games are kid stuff. 
which is not an insult. Getting high scores in most games may be difficult, but the vast majority of arcade games were designed to give youngsters a satisfactory experience for their quarters for at least a couple of minutes before throwing the kitchen sink at them. However, there were those few machines lurking in a darkened corner of your local arcade, which would send the young ones crying in frustration back to the warm embrace of their Pac-Mans and Dig Dugs. And then he gives examples. Robotron 2084, Zaxxon, Lunar Lander, and Gravatar. For those games, we were content to watch over the shoulder of far braver and more mature arcade sophisticates, usually a peach fuzz, mustachioed teenager sporting a sleeveless denim jacket with an Iron Maiden backpack. Gravatar is definitely not kid stuff. Can best be described as a greatest hits collection of a number of classic games, but harder. You have the thrust and rotate control scheme of Asteroids and Space War, the exploration of Venture, and the spaceship landing mechanic of Lunar Lander. The game may sound simple, but it's not. Graphics and sound are minimalistic, but Arcade Original's color vector graphics, although striking, were fairly slight as well. To me, exceptional gameplay will trump pretty graphics anytime. Grade A. But, but, that's all nice. But what grade do the guys from Atari Bytes give this game? Well, we'll talk about that after the break. attractive guy. You might say I have my own gravity, but it's nothing compared to the gravity of this situation. Yet another field report playing Gravitar. Chosen to play level four, which we're told by the manual is a good practice round because you get a hundred spaceships. If we were playing in the arcade, that'd be good value for your quarter. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Low solar system. That thing in the middle, not a planet, which I've discovered after crashing into it many times. It's destroyed batteries like that. He's a very um, retro looking ships and planets, saucers, very 60s feel to me. Uh, your ship, of course, straight out of asteroids. Takes some getting used to uh, the movement. Uh, just kind of floating out there. There's your force field. Ah. See if we can get to a planet. I've only played this game a little bit, and I'm terrible at it. I like the look of it, though. Retro feel. ships, were you?
playing, but you kind of get the idea. I'm not good at this complicated game. We'll have much to discuss. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So, here's the thing about Gravatar. Henry, do we like Gravatar? Mm. Eh. Wow. That's a more, um... Uh, that's a more charitable review than you gave it earlier. You were not a fan of this when you played it earlier, right? Mm. What bugs you about this game? And then controls. Yeah, Henry does not like the controls. I doubt that he would have liked Asteroid either, although you've, you've probably played Asteroid, but it's been a while. I like the game. It is super complicated, and I have not given it a fair shake. I played it a little bit this morning, getting ready for this show. Uh, it's probably a game that you want to spend more time with, and it's probably my initial reaction was, wow, this is really complicated. And it's probably not, in reality, all that complicated. It just takes a lot of time to get used to the movement of the ships, and then you can kind of get into all the things that you have to do, which sounds like a lot, but really what it amounts to is shoot everything and then leave the planet and then shoot some more stuff. So I think I think it's a good game. Um, no, it's not all that gorgeous. I'm curious what the arcade version looked like. I could probably find some screenshots and whatnot on YouTube if I wanted to go look. I, I'm hoping that it was a, a good looking game uh, that just didn't, doesn't look all that great. Although I think I noted in the field report that when you're in space, the, the your ship and the uh, flying saucers and all that have, to me, a very 60s look to them. Kind of a retro feel, and I kind of like that. The planet's surface, and the manual describes as these craggy landscapes and things, but all that really means on screen is uh, blocks. Little blue blocks. That's, the, that's your landscape. So that's a little disappointing, but, I mean, it was 1982-83, so you can't expect a whole lot. But as far as the gameplay, I, I'm not going to grade it, but I'm going to give it positive feelings because I, I think it's it's worth spending some more time with. As always, if you guys have opinions about Gravatar, let us know. Oh, oh, I forgot. We have to do another installment of our ongoing segment, What Game Is Henry Playing? While we do a podcast about another game. Henry, what game are you playing? He's so busy playing, he can't even tell me. There's a guy running across a field in some sort of weird armor. The guy, not the field. What are you playing, Henry? Mm-hmm. What's it called? Does he have a pickaxe? What's he doing? So, 
his guy appears to be running a lot. And there are walls building up. Sometimes he's on grass, or what looks like grass to me. And Henry keeps having him pick up a pickaxe, but I'm not sure what he's doing with it. And there's another button that looks like a padlock and a wall with spikes on it. What is this game, Henry? It's a building game. It's a building game. Oh, okay. He's building something. But he's so busy doing it that he doesn't want to even tell me what it is. So, this has been another installment of What Game Is Henry Playing? while we podcast about another game. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. Henry, do you have a story this week? No. All right. Well, good thing I do then. This week's story is titled, Using Your Head, Thunk. Sir Steinway Pettifogger flinched and glanced up from his leg of lamb. He was sure he'd felt something strike him upon the top of his head, but no one was there. The cold ooze of the egg yolk seeped through the curls of Pettifogger's wig and onto his ample cheeks. The confused nobleman wiped irritably while his chambermaid continued her repulsive service. A mysterious hooded figure wound his way down the back steps, chuckling. The ladies in the courtyard fanned themselves a mild defense against the slight breeze and Elizabeth's flatulence problem. Can you believe the behavior of that foul Reginald in the salon yesterday? Anne asked once she'd regained her wits. Well, Elizabeth said, wrinkling the other ladies' noses with her foul breath. Some of the ladies wished their husbands would get around to inventing dental hygiene. They were tired of hiding the brushes, floss, and whitening strips they had already invented themselves, what with all the misogyny. I do believe Reginald is well known is a well-known cheater at Batgammon. Still, Charlotte said, it was quite upsetting. My servant spent hours getting the bloodstains out of the carpet. My delayed morning tea was a bit tepid. High atop the courtyard, the stranger crouched on a balcony covered with lilac. He waited for just the right time. Once the ladies' attentions were distracted by snickering at a servant having a mishap with a stack of chamber pots, the stranger leaned quickly over the balcony and dropped four fresh turds the source of which we need not go into, one upon each head. He ducked back down out of sight and skittered back into the manor house. He felt a little bad for the already overworked servant who would have to deal with their outraged charges, but oh well. Such was the price of education. The Royal Navy flagship was a sight to behold. Tall and proud, it owned the seven seas, ready to subdue all bounders, bounding over the waves. Also, the yard arm was really high up, a great vantage point from which to get maximum acceleration for the man dressed in the distinctive orange and black plumage of the Scottish crossbill. The edible brown crab claws waved in the breeze as the crab dropped from the bird's hand with a practiced flick of the wrist. The admiral never knew what hit him. The ensign, who had been forced to swab the deck because his cuffs had only two buttons instead of three, though, saw the crab assault and snickered lightly to himself as he applied mop to deck. The man-sized bird shuffled down the dock, and because it was difficult to see through the beak, the bird ran straight into Edmund Halley's comet. No, not the celestial body, 
That's just what this earthbound scientist called his fists. The two comets. They didn't come around often, but when they do, you remember them. The bird struck Halley's comets and flopped to the ground. Halley pushed the mask off the birdman and shook his head. What's the third law, bitch? He said. Isaac Newton groaned and held his busted nose. Action and reaction, he said. When an object exerts a force on another, the other object exerts an equal and opposite force. Halley kissed both of his fists. Yeah, baby. He hoisted Newton, the founder of the famous three laws of motion. Every object in a state of motion tends to stay that way. Velocity is constant. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. To his feet. Newton shoved Halley away then, sort of proving his own theories. Why you doing this, man? Halley asked. All the dropping and whatnot. They don't understand, Newton said. They don't appreciate the gravity of gravity. So you drop stuff on people's heads? Halley said. Of course, Newton said. The law of attraction. Objects with mass, like the massive behinds of the privileged class, attract smaller objects. I just thought those coddled, ignorant elites needed a little demonstration. Halley grinned an evil little grin. Sticking it to the man, he said. The two scientific icons high-fived. The science way, Newton said. Then Halley and Newton went and got drunk on this new fad called gin. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Henry for hanging out with me again. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat. Take a Chance, in Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Succumb to the gravitational pull of the massive Apple Podcasts now and leave a five-star review of the show. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram where probably, by the time you're hearing this, there is new artwork from Henry up there for you to peruse and perhaps reach out to us to purchase, if you so desire, and he is available for custom jobs as well. Don't forget you can call us too. We're never going to answer the phone though, because that's how we roll. But you can leave a voicemail at 563-265-1978. Tell us about really anything you want, and there's a good chance we'll play it on the show. Check out the website too, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. There's all sorts of stuff over there. There's uh, episodes, Social media, information about Atari Bytes and my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. There's a page about books that I've written and links to some places that you can buy those. All sorts of stuff. Consider supporting the show as well by becoming a subscriber on the Patreon project. Go over there to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com and subscribe. Uh, at the $2 level, 2 bucks a month, that's it. You get... Well, at the dollar level, you get my thanks, because uh, I do appreciate that. At the $2 level, you get episodes early. These episodes drop on schedule on Sundays, but I often have them ready to go earlier in the week, and if you are a $2 per month subscriber, you can get access to them as soon as they're ready. 
Uh, none of that waiting around till Sunday business. If you are a three dollar supporter, you get that, plus you get bonus content, uh, like video of the field report that we do every week, um, and we do other stuff as well. We do uh, commentaries on Pac-Man and the Ghostly Adventures, a very strange cartoon series. Um, I'm hoping to do another one of those later in the month. Sometimes we record ourselves playing video game-related board games, whatever else comes to mind. Uh, we throw it up there on the, on the Patreon, and you can access it at the $3 level. At the $4 level, uh, if you so desire, you get all that other stuff. Plus, you can pick a game for us to do. And if we can find it, we'll play it and make up a story about it. If you want to be a Patreon subscriber and you're still on the fence, well, keep this in mind as well. You could be cool like Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, and Aerospike, our current patrons. You want to be like those guys. Trust me. All right. Anything else to tell the people before we talk about next week's game, Henry? No. All right. Next time on Atari Bytes, Gyrus, which I'm pretty sure is a made-up word. Uh, it's got two S's. Um, this is a famous name, anyway. I don't know anything about this game, but it's a famous name, I think, in Atari lore, so I'm excited to play it. Uh, and we're going to do that next week. And I'll probably make up a story about it, because that's what I do. So, until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.